Welcome to Beard.EdChat, where we celebrate learning and teaching, provide support for pupils and parents, and offer developing opportunities for staff. So, welcome to Beard.EdChat. My first interviewee is going to be Gary English. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, Ryan. Hi, Gary. Just going to set, set the tone of what we're kind of looking for, okay? So, teachers sharing and working together is the way to improve teaching and, as a result, raise attainment. As a staff member, you'll feel supported, empowered, and happier in your job. The challenge is convincing people to have the courage to share. This is will make a positive contribution and make the whole working experience more enjoyable. None of us will ever be the finished article, but through working together, we can improve our own practice. So, how are you getting on today, Gary? Yeah, I'm good. Just finished uh, quite a busy day online learning. What about yourself? Yeah, very busy. What I'm enjoying about it so far is that I'm in my office just now, but normally I'm downstairs in my kitchen. So not only is it a kitchen, it's a staff room where we meet up and have our staff meetings. It is an exercise studio for doing live lessons. And then it's also a workplace and a classroom for when I'm delivering the content for the SQA for the Nat 5 and higher. So all very busy. Um, yourself at the moment a lot of pressure for live lessons i think being the fact that i'm a math teacher um i suppose it would depend on your subject but there's some topics that are probably better taught live but i've just been doing a bit of a mix um, some year groups really enjoy the live lessons others prefer to do it um, via video and then maybe work a wee bit later than when their scheduled period is but i'm just trying to really be flexible get a bit of feedback from the pupils what they prefer and like my third year class, like almost unanimous, they just want to be live. So every single period they've got maths for live. And they have been live quite a lot in my first years recently as well. And yeah, they seem I, think, to be quite enjoying it. I think it's important to try and find that balance because in PE at the moment, for the pupils that are down three periods a week in the BGE, we the way I'm trying to do it is they've got a written task and um, they've got a live lesson with myself. And then we're doing this thing called a PE diary where we're encouraging them to go out and exercise in some format. So you're talking about like the mix in maths just now. So obviously you've got your live lesson. So what's the mix? So you talked about, is that recorded lessons? And what kind of things are you doing yeah, for the I recorded mean, side of things? So it could be a case of like when I do a live lesson, I record as I go and I just stop and start the recording so that if someone misses a live lesson, I can just post a lesson after. Um, I tend to take the, if we're working through some questions, I take a blank template, fire it up, and um, then I'll stick the video up after for them to kind of work through, check their solutions, and then upload it to me to show that, um, that they've completed it. I just want to kind of, when we go back to school, have a, a better understanding of the gaps that I'm probably going to have to fill in because, you know, it is difficult period for learning um, for our yeah. young people. So, yeah, um, I've been doing pre-recorded videos, so it might be that rather than bringing everyone in for a live lesson to do something for 50 minutes, it might be that we're just recapping. Mm -hmm. So I've maybe made a recap video and then being, being in math is quite good because we can create Google Forms, um, a lot of self-mark sheets, um, using spreadsheets and just kind of pulling together a lot of resources and trying giving them a variety um, where it's not just kind of repetitive, it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it's that whole idea where you've got to try and engage, you've got to excite them, but then at the end of it, you've got to educate them as well. Yeah. Um, it's quite a challenge. So that's that's the current situation just now. That's no news to anyone. We are 
learning from home right now. But the whole purpose of the show is we're looking about that joy of teaching. What's that spark? What makes this job so enjoyable? I'm passionate about what I do and I love it. And you've had a, a kind of a career similar to mine in a way, because I think you're only about a year ahead of me in terms of experience. Because um, my NQT year was 16 into 17. That's when mine's was. I was 14 into 15. 14 into 15, so about yeah. a couple of years. So still relatively young teacher, still fresh-faced, but loving the job. And that's oh, the yeah. thing. I do not think that we're the only teachers in Scotland who love the job. There's so many people coming into teaching. It's quite hard to find jobs once you're in it because there's so many schools, but there's a limited amount of jobs. So people are staying in the profession. So the whole point of the show is we're going to try and find out what makes it so enjoyable. Okay, how does that sound for you? Yeah, no, that's totally fine. I'm more than happy to share that. Awesome. So let's just let's get into it. So number one, tell me about your career. Where did you study? How long for? Where was your first school? Give us an insight on how you came to Aloe Academy. Okay, so I left school straight away um, and to do a maths degree um, at Strathclyde University. So do you mean now, leave school at S5 or S6? Oh, S6, sorry. S6, S6 okay. S6, yeah. S6, yeah. Um, so I completed, I went through my hires and then did some advanced hires and then left um, straight away. So I was 18 when I started university. So see what, if I could stop you, I know, yeah. just interject slightly. So was that a conditional offer? Was it an unconditional uh, offer? Unconditional. I had, I had unconditional offer, yeah. Okay. And so was there what were the entry requirements at that time for your course? Can you remember? I think it was two A's and two B's. Yeah. Um, and you had to have a A in maths. Right. Um, okay. I, I, I definitely rings a bell. And then the teaching side of things, when you went further down the line, you had to have a higher C in English. Okay. But um, they were the only sort of requirements. So, Strathclyde University maths degree, is that was the official title? Yeah, so what Strathclyde's degree is a bit different from everyone else, and that was why I, I went to Strathclyde, is that everyone does straight maths for the first two years. Okay. And then you branch off and you'll maybe do maths and statistics, maths and teaching. Um, I have pe my people on my course doing maths, stats and economics. So you all do a core set of classes. Um, apart from the guys who were maybe doing a bit of economics or finance, they were had done a wee bit extra, maybe missed a couple of the maths classes. But we all had like a core set. And then when we finished second year, we kind of all went off in our own direction. Mm -hmm. So that so, was why I was like, because the fact that... I, if I, have, I mean, not that I thought it was going to change my mind, but it was probably the most flexible. So see when you're t telling me there. So you got to your second year, your course set, and then I'm assuming just now it was that when you started going down the maths teaching route, or was that something separate you started to do in third year, or did you do the PGTE? And so I've kind of taken a bit of a weird journey. Um, yeah. Like, I could have went to Stirling and did it in four years, and, and the route that I took at Strathclyde, I did it in four years, but we did a a joint maths and teaching degree, which okay. you could get only, I think, at Strathclyde and Stirling at the time, maybe Aberdeen as well, because they were the three units I'd applied for. Because it's quite standard for what, from what my impression that yeah. is, or outside of my subjects, I did an undergrad in PE, yeah. but um, it's quite rare to actually be able to do it in tandem. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a specialty subject like maths, English, drama, whatever, yeah. it is quite difficult to find that, so it's good you managed to find that early doors. I think that Stirling, Stirling Uni 
tends to be the, the, the university that does it the most. But um, when we started, we could take an elective and it was kind of advised that in first and second year to make up like the next an extra 20 credits to take an elective in education. And that, that was that was what I did just because, you know, I was kind of set on what I was going to do. But um, I just kind of needed a safety net almost as if I maybe changed my mind and decided, oh, I love another aspect, but nothing, nothing really changed. So in third year, I then, instead of taking some of the math classes or the, some of the stats classes, would then have education classes. And we would kind of work through the core math content and then make the rest up with our education to give us our credits. So we did our different modules where we were submitting essays and we did a placement at a primary school. Um, and I went to St Margaret's Primary School in Pullman and we did a placement at a high school, which was Grangemouth High in Falkirk. So we spent, I think we only did six Wednesdays or maybe eight Wednesdays. It was definitely a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, we spent the day out on placement um, because most Wednesdays were set aside, especially in the afternoon for university sports. So it was like everyone's quiet day. So I spent eight eight Wednesdays or six Wednesdays with St Margaret's Primary and one of the, the days um, we went on a trip to the the Scottish Parliament, mm -hmm. which was really good. And the fact that I got to experience a whole variety of age groups and then go on uh, like a class trip, essentially, to see what the learners are like outside the, the school, which I found was a very, very good experience for me. Because um, I did originally, I did think about primary teaching. Right, okay. Before I, I was sitting in secondary, but any sort of doubt I had was erased after that placement that I wanted to I wanted to do secondary. I mean I, I enjoyed it, I loved it, but I just felt that I wanted to teach like mm. a higher level of maths and go into more depth about the subject that I'm passionate about. So third year primary placements, is that right? Yeah. So a primary and a high school placement. And a high school placement. The high school placement was similar again, it was broken. So it was just kind of to get in and get a bit of experience, do a bit of observing and maybe a, a bit of teaching. Um, and I was quite lucky to go into quite a good department and they supported me quite well. Um, so I did do a bit of teaching when I was in there. And then I think we went back for a block of maybe three weeks at the end of the year to get a proper run at it. Um, and I really I really enjoyed that. I, I mean, I used to be, I'd go into the school on the Wednesday and then be back at uni Thursday, Friday, just looking forward to the next again Wednesday. Mm. But I was actually out doing something that I enjoyed a lot more than sitting in classes learning about the maths. So the way you talk about the staggered placements then in your fourth year, was there more block placements or what? how so did that impact you? What happens in the fourth year is that you do maths up till Christmas and then in the second semester you join the PGDE course and do the second half of the PGDE. Got you. But I was at the point where after three years of doing the maths, the thought of doing another year of maths was just, I just didn't want to do it. I just wanted to be full-time education. And I'd accumulated enough credits um, to be able to do that. So um, I had a chat with my, my, my mentor at the time, who was John Winter, and mm -hmm. there was some spaces on the PGDE course that were offered out to our maths class. Okay. Um, particularly those who were doing the education to say, well, if you don't want to do your fourth year for maths, you've got enough. Um, for a bachelor's degree and then come and do a full year in the education. And for me, I mean, people 
were advising me against it, but I don't really think that having the best degree, like the highest level degree, like a first class honours makes you a good teacher. Yeah. So for what I wanted to do, I felt that the extra eight weeks that I, I would have gained on placement would have mm. served me better in the long run than yeah, no, I'd agree a, with that. another title against my name. So I switched up and I, I owe a lot to John Winter because he pulled up, he pulled a lot of strings for me. And I, I, I immensely respect um, him and, and Dr. Gita. So um, for everything that they did for me, um, going to that PGD or so, I left all the, the guys that I'd met behind and they joined the, the class at Christmas. And I did a, an extra eight-week block at Armadale Academy. And the the lessons that I learned in that placement were it's still so valuable to me now. And I still use resources, like yeah. some of the resources that were developed and um, some of the ideas that I had have still stuck with me like six or seven years later. Um, and I, I totally, totally stand by that decision. If anyone goes back and says to me, would you do it again? I would 10 times over. Yeah, I would say that was probably, you probably didn't realise at the time, or you probably did because it's what you chose at the end of the day, mm -hmm. is that was probably the smart decision to make. Yeah. It's like the more the more experience that you can get in schools, the more it prepares you for your probation year. So I imagine that you would have had a number of different uh, placement schools since you then officially started uh, the PGDE course. So you'd yeah. have like different week blocks there, different few week blocks there. So you'd have that for the year. And then where did you end up for your probation the year that, then? Uh, Aloha. Aloha, Aloha Academy, yeah. Oh wow! So it's kind of funny how 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 I came to Aloha because I was doing the PGD course alongside um, another math teacher, uh, Claire Harvey, and she did her last placement. I did mine at Falkirk High, and she did hers at Lawrence Hill, and we had both put clacks down as I think it might have been Claire's first choice. It was my second choice, mm -hmm. and um, I got Lawrence Hill, and Claire got Aloha. But after having a discussion, they, they quite liked Lawrence Hill quite likely that she'd done quite well in her placement. Yeah. So we did the old switcheroo and uh, I did my probation year at Aloha and I, I loved it. Like I was I was so so fortunate to end up in a department where it was so supportive and you know, they've been a, a close knit team for a long time now. It's yeah. uh, it was just a fantastic place to work. Because that, that's interesting because um obviously we're friends and we're colleagues, um, mm -hmm. and you mentioned last week quite a lot. Yeah. In the in the past, and I just assumed that last week was your probation school. I didn't actually realise that Aloha Academy was was a, essentially the birthplace of Mister English, the teacher sort of thing, mm -hmm. not the not the student teacher. So, yeah. was it probation year at Aloha Academy for for the year, obviously, and then yeah. was last week the first sort of permanent contract you picked yeah. up? All right, okay. So, um, I was only covering a maternity leave at Aloha during my probation year. Okay. So I'd, I'd known pretty much from the start. I mean, I always say probationers not to get their hopes pinned up um, to stay on at the school they're at because you're not always guaranteed even if there is a job it's not you know it's not guaranteed to be yours and sometimes moving on isn't necessarily a bad thing because you can go away and fix the mistakes that, that you uh, you might have made or if there's anything you want to change chance to do that because now you're more experienced but for me I never really had a choice and I would have stayed at Aloha I didn't want to leave like it was quite it was quite hard when it came to the end of the year and it was it was time to go but when the job started coming up, um, I, I kind of said to myself, I'll start to apply um, for schools that I quite liked. And last week came up very, very early on. And I went on the school website and I was so impressed by the, the it was a, it's a new school, pretty new school. 
Um, I, mean, I think it was only built in maybe like 2010-11. Um, it's got a, a school of gymnastics. So wow. some of the equipment, are like the, I see on the telly at the, the, for the Olympics. So I was, I was like getting a wee tour of the school and getting to see that in real life. They had links with schools in China, taught Mandarin as a language in the school. Um, school of rugby, highly successful um, sports uh, teams. The grades were fantastic as well. And it just kind of, just I don't know, it just had a really good feeling, a good vibe. And uh, I went for the interview. And it's, it's good because being Mr English, being a math teacher who's also Scottish, you can break the ice straight away. Oh, definitely. As soon as I went into the the observed lesson, I broke the ice straight away. And kind of, I felt as almost as if the pupils in front of me kind of chilled a wee bit. Mm. And then we had, a, we had a good lesson. And I, I did well enough in the interview and they offered me a job. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, I did look because it was 32 miles, you know, each way from where I was currently staying. Um, yeah. And nothing else came up and I, well not that it came up but it, there was loads of jobs that came up but nothing came up that had that kind of same feel and after being in the building at last week i knew that's where i wanted to be yeah, there's a trade-off there isn't there there's like where you want to work versus where you can work and that's something yeah. that you, you learn the hard way after your probation year that i yeah. feel um if you if you're going to be specific on where you want to work then you're going to have a limited pool to choose from if you are a little bit more flexible there are jobs there but we, it, sometimes it does involve moving so then last wade um you was it a year at last wade so i did a year and a half at last wade and the the main factor for kind of moving back through to, to falkirk was that i was buying a house um with my mm. now wife we decided to buy a house in falkirk i had looked at i mean i loved that so much i love last Wade. i had looked at relocating through edinburgh but for the money I was spending to live there, this I could get so much more here. Yeah. And all of my family are based in around Falkirk, so it made sense to kind of stay centrally. Mm-hmm. And it, it probably cut my time a bit shorter at last week than I would have liked. Because yeah. when we went when we looked at this house, and it's again, as you say, it's like you you choose where you want to live. And I we just kind of was like, no, I want to live here. And then it was like, oh, this is maybe just a wee bit soon for what we wanted. And I had to be like, well, okay, well, when, mm-hmm. where's, can I save money? And the £250 a month yeah. plus on petrol was the big kind of one for me. And I was, it was hard to leave. I must admit, it was hard to leave. I, mm-hmm. I'd only been there a short time, but had built up like a lot of really good relationships around the school with different people, that pupils, different members of staff. And... It really wasn't. It really wasn't a case of I left because I wanted to jump ship. It was. I yes. never really had much of a choice. And as you said, I'm I'm quite particular about where I want to work. And I, I did I did say to my wife, right, I'm not leaving until a job at these five schools. I gave her a list of five schools came up, mm-hmm. and I was on that list of five. Um, originally, the job went up as maternity cover again. Okay. And it wasn't filled. It then went to maternity and permanent to the council. And by this point, I'd already been in contact with um, with the team at Alloa and just saying, look, I'm, I'm interested. Um, what's the job going to be? Um, well, it's a year at Alloa. Then you, you're not guaranteed to stay there. And I was like, well, I don't like that uncertainty. And then it came up a third time. 
permanent to Allo. And obviously, right. I know within our contracts that we uh, we can be moved with within the council at any point. But mm-hmm. the fact that it was more of a right, you're at Allo, and then if I had to move, I would accept it. But I would probably get a longer run at being back at Allo, and that's me being back for four years now. Yeah, and within that four years, you had a PT post at one stage as well, yeah. didn't you? So, again, quite early in the career, but picking up a PT post, can you give us a little brief of what your PT post involved? So, it was um, parental engagement and family learning. We, I, I was sharing the post with um, one of my colleagues, Karen Wilkes, mm-hmm. and it was kind of just trying to up the engagement of the parents and carers and the, the school community can I you know get the word out there what's going on in the school trying to get more kind of outside agencies to come in and um, we posted out the well we were just kind of starting to go through the new reporting system did book and it was just kind of trying to get like because we felt that when you come to primary school you know parents and carers are involved loads and then you come to high school and it kind of that relationship with the school almost kind of dies yeah, and we were looking to set up like support mechanisms so that if there was, for example, like a free school meal grant, and we had parents or carers that weren't sure about how to fill in the forms, like we were kind of the middlemen rather than them having to come to into the school, school office. Mm-hmm. So we were going out into the community to to speak to people. Um, we set up a few sessions at the Bomar Centre. And just really did a bit, of, a bit of outreach in the community, which ended up with myself going on the Columba 1400 course with um, members of staff across the the council and um, members of the community. And they were so inspired by what we learned on the, the and what we found out about ourselves on that that three day um, course that they've now opened and been running a very successful. Cafe at the Bomar Centre. Um, yeah, a lot of people can have for, for it's the community hub, isn't it? Oh, and it's, it's buzzing on a Friday. If I ever get time, like if I've got a, a free period, I was always napping over if I wasn't on cover, pick up some of the, the hot rolls, bring them back to the department. Oh, and just nothing better than a Friday up. morning, eh? I know. <laughs> so, so, Gary, quite an, quite an extensive answer to question one. So, mm-hmm. finish school with an unconditional offer. Amazing. Um, quite a unique degrees kind of path almost yeah. where you had the mm-hmm. two year the three years of the maths with a little bit of education in your third year and then you were offered a, almost a PGDE as your yeah. fourth year so rather than being five years teaching you took four probation year at Alloa new information to myself then to last Wade and then finally back to Alloa we've had a PT post for parental engagement as well so six ish years in seven years in quite a Quite a good um, variation in your career so far, isn't Thank it? Thank you. Um, and quite impressive. So quite covered quite a lot there um, in terms of how you get there. And it's really interesting. I'm hoping that some of the listeners could actually hear this and think, is that something I could do at uni? Do I have to be here for five years? That's actually a really good piece of information. Because I, I did, uh, one, I didn't know about that, about you. And two, I didn't know you could do that either. So fantastic bit of news for the show. So extensive, loved it, great. Uh, going to move on to my second question for you right and you kind of touched on it a little bit but i want you to really think about it what was the moment you decided that teaching was for you like in your first answer you were talking about how 
even going into your third year or your fourth year, rather, that you knew that doing more maths isn't going to help you be a, be, be a better teacher. So what was it? Was it something in high school? Was it something in your early years of, of your uni course? Tell me, what was the moment that made you want to be a teacher? Now, I'd originally thought about being a plumber when okay. I was kind of going into fourth year. A lot of my, my friends at, the, at school were looking into apprenticeships, and that was the one that kind of appealed to me. It was it was the one that was kind of more subject to specific to what I was looking at at school. A lot of the, the requirements um, were the, the topics I, I was all interested in. And then I did my work experience, and I was like, where will I do my work experience? I should probably go somewhere. Um, I should go somewhere that is different and experience something else. And I thought, you know, I quite like, I have always got on really well with children. I've got a, a cousin who's seven seven years younger than me. And um, always growing up, like I always took time for him when I was like 13, 14, 15, I used to babysit. We'd mm -hmm. sit in and uh, we'd play FIFA or just watch some films. And I thought, you know, I, I quite like that. I, I wonder what it'd be like to work in a school. And I did my placement for a week at Loriston Primary, which is the primary school that I went to um, as a youngster. And... This is uh, only there's only a handful of people that know this, but I, I live about maybe a twenty minute walk from that primary school, and on my last day, I cried the whole way home. From your placement, uh, I cried the whole way home because so was this, I was, was that a, to go back to school. Was that a work experience placement? or Was that a uni yeah, placement? Work experience, so I was just work experience. Uh, almost like a classroom assistant, and I, I knew from about the Tuesday or the Wednesday that I managed. I managed to build relationships really, really well with kind of all your groups. And I just knew I wanted to teach. That was me. I thought about it, having spent time in kind of primary one, primary two, where it's like you don't really go into anything in much depth. And it's a lot of like exploring and playing. I'm not really that confident when it comes to if I was to have to teach like level three English. Yeah. Because the things that I found difficult to school, I found language is quite challenging. Um, so I felt that that might have been something that was quite difficult and I just had a, a passion for maths. Like my math teacher, who's a great guy, like loved him, absolutely great guy and the head of maths as well, we all got on really, really well. And it seemed to be in my year group that the whole year group had like a real passion for maths because we had like a class of 30 at the start of the year yeah. for the before people started obviously leaving when they were getting other opportunities. Um, but yeah, we just loved it and I decided that I would go to uni to do maths and that would give me the option to specialise. I'd be, I'd be a math specialist, whether it was primary or secondary, but then the more I went through, the more I wanted to do secondary. Yeah. In my sixth year, I had a very like light timetable. Um, I was doing a couple of advanced hires, but one of my advanced hires clashed with a higher class that I was, I was doing. And I kind of was a bit stubborn, but this, because I, I'd built up a good relationship with the school, um, and the teacher had previously sat um, the standard grade or the intermediate. I think we did intermediate for that class. Um, I previously sat that in fourth year. Mm -hmm. uh, um, she says that I would do it in my own time and then just kind of check in um, like after school. And I, I did that, and put, but it meant I was only in class for 12 periods a week. So the school couldn't have that. And I was kind of just dispersed around um, junior classes and a couple of senior classes. Um, to kind of be again a classroom assistant to kind of help people with their maths and I just loved that and that's when I knew it was definitely high school. 
Yeah, it's interesting because very, very similar to you, um, high school had an impact in, into it. Obviously, did a lot of sports coaching growing up through my swimming and my mm-hmm. hockey, um, and was massively involved with the scouts. So a lot of experience, like uh, coaching and working with young pupils. But that thing that you said, they're really powerful relationships with teachers. There's teacher, there's like three teachers I can think of right now from my school who inspired me to be where I am today. Probably more than that, but there's three that stick out. There's two PE teachers and a history teacher. Because at one stage, it's like you say, but subject preference, uh, what you're good at and what you're not good at. My two best subjects were history and PE, completely unrelated to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, history came naturally, PE I needed to work at. And then I got the A in PE, and then I got the B in history. And I was like, look, I worked for that A. I'm going to continue working for that A as, much, as for hard as I can. And now I'm in a job that I absolutely love um, because I've chosen yeah. it. So like for me, I knew I was going to be a teacher. I just didn't know what I was going to teach. So again, senior phase, once I finally got my first set of hires around, um, that's when I started to think this is where I'm going. And that's when I started to go hell for leather in my sixth year to try and build up that personal statement uh, to be as good as I could. I had lots of experience, as I said, with my scouts, my coaching mm-hmm. and my swimming and that. Uh, but then more stuff. I believe it or not, I was head boy at my school. So, oh yeah, uh, you saying that, yeah, yeah, because then I was like, yeah. I, I remember I told my mum and she started to cry because I was like, mum, it's just it's not, it doesn't really mean anything. And then she was just like, no, but it, it looks like another A in your uni application. And I was like, oh, for, go- for God's sakes, Maureen, come on, pull yourself together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, really interesting that relationships with teachers. Uh, from your experience can impact your career path and that you can still have that feeling of when you look back of that's the teacher I want to be or I want to have relationships with my pupils the same way that they made me feel that whole that that inspiration like that like you have inspired me to go down this career path it's such a powerful thing for young people to feel and it's such a big responsibility for us to have um, as teachers as well and so really great stuff and quite a lot of things in common there which I'm hoping might be the case as I interview people along the way through the show, um, but there'll be other influences as well, which I'm really excited to hear about. So um, we'll talk, we'll just spoke about there about uh, how you find teaching was for you. You talked about high school, which was great. Um, so that's how we've got to where you are as a teacher, your influences, but now you want to think about your career, okay? And the years that it spanned. I want you to tell me Throughout your career, have there been any particular highlights, memorable moments, and experience where you feel that you've made a lifelong lasting impact on an individual? So we've just spoken about those relationships and that inspiration there. Is there some moment that you can maybe talk about of where maybe that's happened to you? I tend to find that sometimes you can be a bit oblivious um, to the impact that you're making. Um, when it's your, I mean, you can see the impact your colleagues are making, but the impact that you're making is until you leave somewhere that you, you sometimes find. And I've, I've actually found that when I've left, when I left Armadale, I left Aloha and I left Last Week, was when I, I actually realised the, the impact. Now, I had a first year class in, in Armadale. I used to just team teach with the teacher because they needed quite a bit of support. And there was one one young boy in particular who would struggle to write things down. Um, his attention span was quite short, and he would, in general, maybe like he was, he was a lovely, lovely boy, but just kind of would try to avoid doing his work. So I used to regularly, if I was around the class, I'd sit with him, and he he just took a shine to me, and 
he used to ask me loads and loads of questions and I used to go, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you. And he says to me, he says, for every question you answer, I'll answer a question. And that started with maybe two weeks to go. And I was running out of things to tell him um, <laughs> by the time that we had left. And the last day, my last day at Armadale, there was, I think it was one of our affectionately named hurricanes had hit the, hit the nation. And as I was driving up, I mean, the, the buses were all off because of the wind. Mm-hmm. I think my car must have been hit by at least about 4,000 branches driving through yeah. Raven Lodge. And it was just a general, like the most horrible day to come into school. And he walked through this wind and rain just to come in and say goodbye to me. And like that, that amazing the world. Um, when I left Aloha, I did a, a bit of impact on a, a boy in my fourth year class who had kind of had a bit of a, a rough time in first to third year. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd never really kind of harnessed his potential and he, he just kind of matured up, um, got his head down and really started to show in fourth year what he was capable of. Um, it kind of there, there wasn't a lot of young males in Aloha. Um, myself, another probationer um, that came in at the same time, and then um, Mr Black, obviously, that we're, yeah. we're friends with. We were kind of the only sub-30 male teachers. I'm sorry if I'm doing anyone else a disservice, by the way, if you're listening and you were, you were under 30, but we were kind of new faces, and he kind of just looked up to us a bit, and he would come to us if he was having a hard time, just for, even if it was advice about if he had maybe fell out with his girlfriend or if he was just kind of struggling with not just maths but another subject. And mm-hmm. when I was leaving and I told him I never had a choice in the matter, he's like, oh, why, why, why? He's like, because there's, there's no job. There's no money for a job. He um, tried to organise a whip round to raise money to pay me for another year to stay. Wow. That's um, when, that's when you, that's, I, I, I did you, that, we'd say that's when you can. Uh, that, that is when you can. Uh, that's, uh, so that, that, that was really touching. And then I had a girl who, I still use her success story with my classes, particularly the nationals and the hires. Mm-hmm. So I, I took over, I, when I went to last week, a class going third into fourth year, heading towards national five. Um, we were, I was struggling, it was a hard fight. And I gave them the prelim in like January and there was a lot of tears in the class. Um, Particularly, this one girl was devastated to score about 14 or 15%. So then she was saying to me, What can I do to get better? I'm like, We work at it, it will click eventually. And I know that she was hard working across the school, but I mean, she was at support study twice a week, you know, pinging me questions. It was Edmodo we used at the time, pinging me questions nearly nightly on Edmodo, um, just putting in a wee bit extra work. And then we got to the final exam and she scored 58%. So like she was only she was only 2% off a B. Mm-hmm. So I mean when that result came through, I mean I, I was actually welled up when that result came through and I got a message through on Edmodo um, and it was oh like blah, 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 like the start of, and then I was just like a big boom 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 and she goes, Do you know what? I'm gonna take higher maths. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that was that was totally off the that was totally off the cards. Like three or four months ago, like, yeah. and then she just kept coming for help, and in the first higher assessment, scored 70%. Smashed. So she went in, in the space from January to October, in nine months, discounting your holidays, so you're talking six school months, went from 14%, 15% at National 5 to um, 70% or higher, and when I left, I, I used to be free 
grade four on a Friday and she'd already spoke to her teacher and um, she came and gave me a card and wrote really, really nice stuff about how it wasn't just her that I'd helped, I'd helped her family because they weren't having to deal with like her tears and she was getting more confident and it was basically a whole card scribbled the whole inside, like struggled to leave anywhere to put her name and she mm-hmm. cried for the whole period and I'm like, no, no, I was like, you don't need me. I was like, you don't need me. You, you've yeah. done this yourself. You don't need me. Like, you need to, like, you've done all the hard work. You just need to keep at it. And she ended up with a B. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure, like, the, we could be here chatting for, forever about kids that have really impacted us and, feel, and we feel that we've helped them yeah. as well. Uh, easy enough. It's, it's quite a hard question to put it just down to one, isn't it? And I wasn't yeah. surprised that you gave me about three there because um, you could go hard. on and on. That's the three that really like stuck at me. Like, really, like I, I know it was maybe because you're you're, you're heightened emotionally because you're leaving. But I mean, there, there's lots of moments that I, I know that when if my time at Alwa was to come up, I would reflect back to the now. And I, 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 there's a couple that when I was I was thinking about that, but they were the three that were kind of like, yeah, you, you just had that feeling in your stomach. Um, move on to number four now. Number four. So. I think, I, in my head, I think I know this answer for you from working with you, being mm-hmm. your friend, and from what you've been talking about so far. Um, so in your opinion, and this may feel like a formal interview question, what makes you a highly effective practitioner? Uh, do you have some good practice you would like to share um, to all the viewers and listeners? For me, the... My, my probably my, my best strengths and qualities are the fact that I'm able to really like develop strong relationships. Yeah, that's what um, I had in my head, hundred percent. And be, being adaptable as well to to situations where if they, you know, they feel that their opinion and voices have been heard. Like I was saying about the the live lessons, if they feel they've got mm-hmm. a bit more of an input, then they feel probably a bit more. Like respected, like it's a two-way thing. Like mm-hmm. regularly, I've asked pupils, and I'm like, be honest. And you know, I'm at the stage where my third years will. I've had them for two years now. They will just tell me that now like, whether they like it, they don't like it. And it's yeah. it, I know that I'm not going to take any offence with. There's something that, that I could be doing better. And sometimes I've done it exercises in the past where I've got them to write it down anonymously, leave it in a bag, and then I'll go through and read it. Yeah. Later on, and just kind of take on board if they're saying, oh you go too fast when you're at the board. That's a, it's, quite, it's quite a difficult thing for teachers to actually admit as well. Uh, when I was a student teacher, there was one thing I hated. It's like PE, it's all about communication. Yeah. It's like ready, set, go. Into the board, quick chat, away you go. Check for understanding, away you go sort of thing. Really quick. Um, I was going a million miles an hour this one. For a couple, it happened a couple of times. I didn't have one lesson. And there's always one pupil who would come up and just tap you on the shoulder and say, I don't know what I'm doing. And nine times out of 10, it's someone who's quiet. And it's someone who's probably been engaged, just not followed your instruction. Yep. So that I, I took that as verbal feedback on the channel. I was like, I've got to think about how I'm actually delivering this, how I'm actually making sure that people are understanding fully what it needs to be, whether that is like a demonstration whether that's breakdown tasks and trying to make sure that they fully understand what's expected of them. Because the whole idea of flow within a lesson um, is something I'm quite passionate about. And you can see it, and I, I tell to our students and I say to our probationers as well, there's always that golden thread and you can see it when your lesson 
and people are in flow and they are working as hard as they can and are enjoying their experience. If you're not in flow and you're having to battle against your communication and you're starting to battle against the kids, that's when your flow becomes zero and then you need to think about your behaviour management side of things. So this idea of being able to actually reflect either from pupil feedback or reflect personally, I think it's quite a difficult task for teachers to do. And that's the whole point of the show. I want everyone to think about how can I make myself better, listen to this question and think about, I might try that, or I might think about doing things slightly differently. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. You there. say that at the start and that, that hit the nail on the head is that, it's, that we're not the finished article. And I think that as soon as you think you are, that's when your 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 teaching and your um, your learning experiences are mm -hmm. probably going to start to decline. Is that if you think there's there's not something different you can be doing? I mean, I've only been teaching for a, a short amount of time, and the change that I've seen in and and developed and you know things that I brought into my lessons like just recently, the last like year or so, I've been doing a bit of work with the the RIC, which is a regional improvement collaborative that mm -hmm. um, clacks. Stirling, Fourth, uh, well, basically Fourth Valley, so it's Clack, Stirling, West Lothian, and Falkirk are all on. And it's about how we can use concrete materials in the math class. And I mean, I was sitting there having loved math my whole life. And um, I was on the course with, with the guy who was my mentor at Falkirk High um, during my placement. And we were sitting there and, you know, we're getting shown some basic stuff, but it was blowing our minds. Like, how have I never seen this before? Like, and I, w I was so buzzing that I went away and basically straight away brought it into my lessons. And the numeracy skills, like I particularly worked with a, a certain class and the numeracy skills that they've got now are so much better. Um, I then developed that skill into working with algebra tiles, which the third year class that I'm, I'm talking about now, they, the, the, so I had the, the same class two years running in second year. Yep. One year where we didn't, have the tiles and then the next year when I, I went on the course and I'd, I'd learned about the algebra tiles and actually like rather than just saying oh this is how you solve an equation and like there's loads of there's loads of language that people can use that maybe confuse like change side change sign or and then it just does like I don't know what it is but see just actually having a visualization sometimes it's hard to visualize maths but having yeah. this visualization in front and then using language where it's like right okay we need to create, like, changing the way we, that I, I speak and I, I deliver it, like, create zero pairs so that things disappear. And you can actually see that the terms come together to make a zero, essentially, but you're keeping your equation balanced at all times. And it means that, like, some people teach, like, algebra and equations with scales. And they'll say, oh, the scales need to be equal. But how do you explain that if you've got a negative? Like, mm -hmm. you've got a negative, because you can't have, like, a negative weight. On a yes. counter, so that kind of method goes out the window. But the average score in the same test, the exact same test, um, was like ninety-one percent. So the improvement there is not It was absolutely insane. Like the they'd improved by about twenty-three or four percent on the previous year. I mean, because it's a tough test. Like, I mean, you're talking second second year going into like fourth level outcomes, like. Expanding brackets, uh, expanding brackets, um, factorising and having variables on both sides. So dipping into like a lot of stuff that they'll they'll do if they like when they cover the basics in National Five, and it, it was it was insane. Like I've never like I've never had such a buzz, and they continue yeah. to amuse me. Like because I I don't know I don't know what it is, but they they've just uh, they're just superstars and. 
that for me was is, is the was the the point to me saying like oh this is something new bring it in adapt change pupils loved it feedback was great they actually understood what they were doing and if i had my choice well actually i'm saying if i had my choice i'm actually working with primary teachers now upskilling mm-hmm. them on how to use counters algebra tiles etc so that we can actually start it in the primary that, school that's that's the thing Ian. i think people have found it more so at our school maybe with google classroom because this is something that was brand new for everyone mm-hmm. um and the way and for me that was the biggest thing that's changed about my practice recently um and this whole idea of playing at the start does you always mm-hmm. choose that one class you choose one class this looks amazing i'm going to try this i'm going to refine it in my delivery i'm going to make sure i know it inside out and then i'm going to make sure it goes to another class and you start to slowly build it and to embed it into your practice as opposed to just doing it for the sake of doing it yeah. there was an article came out i'm going to try it i'm never going to revisit it it's all about mm-hmm. making sure that and the way i saw it as a student teacher and the way i see myself is everything that you do goes into your teacher toolkit mm-hmm. and so different situations you go into the toolkit you pull it out whether it's a teaching persona maybe it's a strategy or maybe it's just how you're going to handle them behavior wise it's all about going into that toolkit and making sure that you're adaptable enough uh, about how you can manipulate the situations towards the benefit of the learning environment. It's just, what's the worst that's going to happen by, mm-hmm. by trying to introduce something new? Oh, I don't like it. Okay, we won't use it. Like, what, yeah. what is, like, generally, what's the worst? Just being confident and, and being willing to try new new methods and new, like, because when I, I first started teaching, the year that the Nationals went live, so we swapped the curriculum for excellence. So everybody's, you know, we've just been going through five to 14, bam, full curriculum change. So, mm-hmm. you know, some sometimes you've got the choice to be adaptive, others, others you don't have the choice, but I mean, what what is honestly the worst that could happen? Exactly. It's just what I would say. And I, to- I totally agree with you, totally agree with you. Um, so we move on and probably touched upon it a little bit in question four again. Um, so come from a pupil's perspective now, right? Uh, what is your X factor? Um, is there something that you enjoy delivering to pupils, which we've kind of already spoke about with, with the tiles? Uh, what is your X factor? Like when, why do pupils want you to be their teacher? I think there's, there's a few factors, like I'm still relatively young, right? So that sometimes helps because they can be discussing things or talking about things that I'm still in the loop. I'm not getting out the loop of. Is this um, you going to plug your um, TikTok? Nah, that that came about for that class, the third year class that I'd been working with with the with the manipulatives, and they says, "Right, we've done something for you. You need to do something for me." And for a month, were relentless for me to join TikTok, and I eventually caved, and I did. Mm-hmm. And see even just some of the interactions that you get with the people. So it just it shows a bit more of you. But for me, it's I'm in a subject where I would be lying if I said it was well liked. You know, there's more yeah. people who probably don't like it than they do. There's a reason I'm a PE teacher. <laughs> it's something that they're forced into for four years, and I just it doesn't matter like how difficult they find it or how you know or like. I'm rubbish at maths, I hate it. I'd, I'd try to get rid of that attitude and I want them to cut my class and have fun. And 
I want them to, you know, I want them to come in and it's not going to be the kind of math classes you see in the films and the, t- the TVs where you're quiet, you're copying at a book, your teacher's at the chalkboard. I want it to be fun. I want it to be an environment where they feel safe and that they feel no questions like stupid. Yeah. Right? Getting things wrong, you actually learn more. So just kind of getting their confidence up. Confidence is a big issue. And any time that I've ever, I've ever um, like did support study, 90, 90% of the times it's, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Right, here you go. Barely, barely, you know, tell them what to do and they can work out. And it's just, it's a confidence building process. And yeah. I just want them to come to my class, have fun. And we're, we're living in an age now and we've grew up in an age where mm-hmm. there's a lot of social media. And I think the kind of, your attitude towards your teachers has almost changed because we're just normal people and normally like we wouldn't like for, for example obviously you know I've just no longer become a dad and that's something that when I think back to high school I don't know how many teachers would have shared that with me or my class yeah but it's that way where if I want to have that relationship I want to know about their lives and they, mm. you know, in turn, they can they can know about minds, obviously within reason, but yeah. it's how you come in straight away, and they, they tend to find the, the first question they'll say to you is Rangers or Celtic, or if you're at last way, that was Hearts or Hibs, which was really refreshing, yeah. and then I can say to them, right, no, um, Sir Alex Ferguson, this was his first team that he managed, that's who I support, and then send them off on a wee research task, and then mm. they come back to me and just. Like I didn't know he he was. I thought he was just at Aberdeen, and he went to Man United. I was like, no, I had St. Mellon, and then he's still in Shire. And yeah, it's uh, just anything you can to kind of build relationships. Put, that's it. It's the relationship side of it. Putting the time in, and it's like what you say. And it was a good point about when you're at school and you compare. Like you would never actually think about that. Um, but uh, as as you know, I've just recently moved into my new house and I had my moving day. And I saw my national fives on the Thursday before I moved. And I said to them, look, if if I'm not in on Monday, it's good news. I'm moving into my house and I'll be happy. If I'm in on Monday, I'm going to be raging because the lawyers have got, I've got, I've got it wrong. So I'm going to yeah. be in a bad mood. And so obviously there, and I've got the notifications for Google Classroom on my phone. And then you've got pupils commenting on, because I've left my work on Google Classroom. Like, How's the house? Any pictures? So happy for you and everything. And it's just like they... They appreciate it, and I think in the long haul, if you if you control it in the right way, mm-hmm. it can it can improve attainment. The, it can, it could the, go both ways, eh? Yeah. So one thing I find endearing about our school is that the pupils do really care about the about the teachers, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really really nice. You know, like silly wee things, or they can go past and just say, "How's your house?" or How's your wee boy getting on? Like, I, obviously, mm-hmm. I've got a couple of pictures of Tommy up behind my my computer, and I'm like, "Oh, is that the size of him already?" I can't believe how tall he is. And they're like, "Oh, like, have you got any stories?" Do you know, yeah. just ask, and it's it's just it's nice. And then obviously, if um, like I, in in my finance class, um, a pupil has just become an uncle, and we are, you know, baby stories. We're kind of going back and forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, did this, did that, and because the, the kids are roughly about the same age, and she just, it's just nice. No, they yes, definitely enjoy nice. it. So that brings us to 
the end of kind of formal questions, we're trying to explore the whole enjoyment side of teaching. We covered a lot of things here. So this is just more or less like a fun kind of question ender to have a think about. Yep. Um, okay. In an ideal world, there's a blank slate curriculum where everything is on the cards. Right. What subject or what aspect would you like to see added to the Scottish curriculum and who would teach that? Oh, I would have two probably, actually. Because Go for it. Obviously, you know how much I love music, and I'm a big, big. Um, I'm really enthusiastic for hip hop, and I feel Mass that, Man G. I've seen that. I know the Mass Man. Yes, Mass Man G. This is another Mass Man G coming out towards the end here. Um, I'm a big, really enthusiastic about hip hop, and it's not just the music, but like the story of hip hop. And I've, I've looked around, and I mean, I know they offer it in America, but there's like an actual hip hop studies qualification where yeah. you can look into a bit of the history. You know, you can do a bit of the, the performing aspects and um, I just feel like as an extension to what they're already offering music, mm-hmm. it would be it would be something that, I, I mean, I maybe just say that because it's my interest, but it would be something that would be quite interesting and seeing how I feel it's had a big impact on what the music industry is like today with the, the storytelling that started to kind of go on in the, the, um, the 80s into the 90s. When it wasn't yeah. just kind of emceeing over a beat, it was actually like, do you know what, I'm going to tell a story. And now storytelling is just a part of, I mean, look at Adele storytelling and how much, mm-hmm. you know, how many hits she's made. Um, and the other one, just kidding, I'll just kind of cut that because I could go on forever about that. But the yeah. other one would be some sort of golf qualification because I love golf. golf qualification. I feel that, I feel that we, we do offer a, a wide variety of sports, but golf is the one that, I mean, how many Scottish golfers can you name on one hand? I know what you mean. So there's a training course um, that we go on called Club Golf. So in, mm-hmm. in the PE department, we've got like uh, small golf balls. We've got um, for pitch and putt, essentially. Um, and then there's different ways where you can set up different obstacles. We did a course of it at uni. And then uh, we have the kit in Aloha. But it's like, where do you find it in the curriculum because then it's like yeah. you can only t- you can only take it so far because it's definitely that there's loads of sports you can have in the curriculum the, eh? and i totally agree with you that is, is, it's neglected in a, in a small way isn't it the, the other aspect of the like sort of a golf qualification would be as well is that it doesn't necessarily have to be playing yeah. it could be like teaching them how to maintain the course you know how we've got the vocational skills where i like that it's well, a different angle yeah a, a bit of construction maybe some hairdressing and um, i mean i've seen schools offer um beauty um like beauty treatments like teaching you how to do acrylics and um, makeup before they probably go off to college is that like course management so how to run the course properly or even if it was like you know because not not everyone who make who goes through these sports are like is going to make it but it could be a case of saying right well strategically how do you play the game like could you make a good caddy yeah like and like so it could be like well you've co- obviously with the course management you've got the agricultural side of things and then you've got the well i'm playing like you you're, you're on the bag for someone what, what what would you do here what would you advise them like are they going to play the right shot you know how are you going to help them either defeat their opponent or play as best as they can and so yeah. it's, it's really just like because the majority of people go out and they want to hit the ball as far as they can and hit the ball as close to the flag as they can and it's really now because now that well, my handicap's single figures, so I, I could stand on the tee and I could nine times out of ten pull the driver at the back. Or do I say, right, 
well, I had a four iron, and then that leaves me a full wedge. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like taking into consideration well, what you're better with. Um, yeah. Where do you, where do you, if you're going to miss the green, where do you want to miss the green? The front of the green. Do you know what side of the hole do you want to be on? And just and just it's little things like that. So, for the hip hop storytelling, who's mm-hmm. teaching that? Oh, I would I would love to teach that, but I mean, it could be. It depends what kind of. I mean, if there was a history mm-hmm. side of things, you could have. And then the historians, if it's the performance aspect, you know, you could generally have a, a wide range. Of, so you're sitting there, hip hop history one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to come through the doors to teach you? Like anybody, what? anyone alive, dead. Oh man! Do you know what? Did you, did you ever watch um, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix? Uh, I did not. Oh, it's, uh, I can't. I can't remember the guy's name, but see the guy who presents it and goes around. I would. I would listen to him all day. Definitely have a look all into day. that. Like absolutely listen to him all day. So, for, and then for golf strategy slash course maintenance, who do you think's your man? Or oh, um, the one person I love listening to on the t- is Butch Harmon. Butch he's Harmon, a, he's a coach for a lot of the the professionals stateside. Like, um, does a lot of work with like Ricky Fowler. Um, I love listening to the way he talks about golf and just the way he analyzes that. I just, I think he's, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's a special, special man, and I would love to just pick his brain for an hour or maybe six. Fantastic. Gary, you've been an absolutely fantastic first participant in Beard.head chat. And that, folks, brings us to the end of the first episode of Beard.head chat. If you're interested in coming on the show, please get in contact with myself via Twitter at MrLynch93. And remember, the beard's not essential, but love of teaching is. I'll catch you soon. <laughs>